You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here. On the 24-7 Sports Network, going to talk a little basketball here, too, uh, in light of a nice little sweet sweet 16 run here by the Hurricanes uh, basketball team. And uh, wanted to just say, you know, after we took a week off, basically, for spring break, uh, you know, after three spring practices, uh, Miami football program took a week for spring break. So we took a little week off as well, but we are back now. And we will be in the regular swing of things. Um, Gabby, men's basketball team. It's been a fun run. You know, round one against Drake, Drake was a little bit of a grinder. Yeah. Um, and credit to Drake. I think that's the way they wanted that game to go. Uh, I think they played really good defense. And, you know, Miami's best players didn't necessarily have the best game, but they found a way to win that game. And then uh, I think we saw them close to their best against Indiana here in their next game. Uh, But anyways, I'm enjoying this basketball season in general. I stated last year, Gabby, you know, I think Miami should be a team. Miami should be a program that can get to the tournament more years than not. Uh, you know, if we're talking about a 10-year stretch, I think Miami's a city where basketball players will want to want to will be attracted to, and uh, you know, Miami's in the ACC, of course, a, a really uh, historically good basketball conference, and so I've enjoyed this season. Miami, of course, is the last standing ACC team right now in the tournament, which is cool. Um, and yeah, just I'm enjoying this basketball season, and uh, you know, I guess. Thank everyone involved for for this enjoy this fun season to follow for for the basketball program. Yeah, it's been a it's been a lot of fun. I mean, just tracking the team all year. I mean, yeah, I do feel like they're like a gritty team. They play hard. I think we saw that against Indiana. You know, they kind of got up. You know, Indiana went on some runs where they made things really tight, where they took leads, and uh, you know, I, it felt like Miami, like you know, always had always answered back. Uh, you know, kind of just continued to kind of play their style of ball. They the biggest guy on the floor for Miami, six foot seven. They still find a way to get offensive boards. They still find a yeah. way to, you know, get those defensive rebounds. Again, everyone kind of attacking the ball, attacking the boards, all that type of stuff. So again, I mean, it, I, to me, it's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun watching these guys just compete. And that Drake uh, game was incredibly frustrating because I was like, this is not the team that we've watched all year. And I think finding a way to get to to come out of that one alive was was a huge deal. And again, I think you know, uh, tip your cap to Jim Larnaga to 
to those guys for finding a way to win. Cause really that's all it is in the tournament. It's survive in advance, no matter how the way, how, how it looks, it's, there's, there's a lot of teams that get bounced early, a lot of good teams that get bounced early. So winning in and of itself is a big deal. And I mean, Drake, I think they had one, I think they're like 14 and one or something in their last 15. Uh, their, you know, star player, you know, I, I, I think he had one of his worst performances of the season. Uh, you know, again, I think, I feel like, yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't nice for him, but again, I mean, I thought that was a good Drake team that they found a way to win. And then what they did against Indiana, you know, here on Sunday night was, was a ton of fun. It's it's so much fun watching these guys play. So back to the sweet 16 second season in a row. Yeah. Uh, that's a huge, huge, huge deal, David. And like you said, I mean, Miami, you know, is, 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 you know, in some it's ways, a basketball it's, it's a basketball now. town. Yeah. It's you know, like the, the heat, I feel like, you know, it's really, I, mean, I guess, since D Wade came to the league. I mean, when they got Shaq, you know, yeah, I feel like there is absolutely. a deep appreciation for basketball in the city of Miami. And I think when the Hurricanes, you know, again stacking these types of seasons, I think it's yep. going to become an even more attractive, you know, brand and more attractive location. Everything and when you start looking at, I mean, the stability. You know, Coach Larinaga has been here a long time. I think, I mean, they put guys in the league: Bruce Brown, De- uh, Devon Reed. Uh, Lonnie Walker, you know, it's it's a program where you can take that next step in your career and, and play and play in the league and, and all that type of stuff. So, you know, I'm excited about this this basketball program. And I do think that this is a, you know, doing this in back to back seasons is 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 again a really big deal. And I do think that this is how, you know, you elevate the floor of what the basketball program is, you know, annually. Going back to the Drake game, I'm so during the game. One of the one one interesting graphic they had during that game was, uh, you know, Drake. I guess was an older team, right? And the stat they had was Drake's. I think it's Drake starting five is older than five NBA starting fives. Wow, that's so unbelievable. They were, they were an older team, um, and those those type of teams are hard hard to play against, hard to beat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, you know, this Miami team is fun to watch. They have a lot of, they have, uh, they're a well-rounded team uh, and they have guys that can do different things at a high level. Like Nigel Pack can splash it from deep. He can get hot on those three-pointers. Isaiah Wong is your slasher that can attack the rim. Wooga Poplar is kind of your your wild card, right? He, yeah. can, he can make six threes in a game randomly. Yeah. Um, and, and with him specifically, you know, it's cool seeing him year over year. And, oh, yeah. You know, thinking back to last year's Kansas game, when Miami lost in the tournament last year, Kansas didn't guard him, left him open for three. He was scared to even take the three. And now he's one of their better three-point shooters. Yeah. It's just cool to see the developmental process that can ha- happen in college sports. Uh, Jordan Miller is probably my favorite player on the team just because yeah. he can do, I think he impacts the game more than anyone on this team uh, on both sides of the floor. I think, you know, his little mid range weird, yep. like he's a skinny guy, but he's got that like post-up game, uh, yeah. mid range game. And then defensively, he locks up, he guards everyone, right? Like yep. he can guard one through five. There, five, yeah. there was times last, last night against Indiana when he was uh, guarding trace Jackson mm-hmm. Davis, yeah. pretty effectively oh yeah down low in the post uh and then of course norchad omir who probably is the most to me he's like the most fun player to watch just because he's this ball of energy mm-hmm. effort rebounding defense it seems like every 50 50 ball he wins and he's got suction cups on his hands like he just 
he's always getting the loose ball. And so it's a fun team to watch. Who's, who do you think? Cause I think you can have this conversation about three guys on this team in terms of who is, well, I, I think you could parse it in different ways. Who's their best player. Who's their most important player. Um, who would you say is their best player? The best player. I think at his best, Isaiah Wong is the, is probably the best player, but his lows are so low too. And yeah. I know you, I know, you know, I was very frustrated by him, you know, first, basically first half yesterday. And again, that Drake game. I mean, I, I think Jordan Miller has to be again. Like I, I feel like the commentator said it best, like Jordan Miller's quietly going to give you 15, seven and three, like, you know, he's just going to be like, I feel like he's Great so, defense yeah. And he's, and he's just right. He's so consistent. Like what you said, the way he can guard one through five. I mean, he was like eliminating passing lanes uh, for, I don't know how to say his name, Trace Jackson Davis. Like he was just like, like they, they, they were struggling to get him the ball at times because he was just like getting all up in there, getting his, you know, lose, using those long arms to kind of like not allow those entrance passes and then just kind of getting his hands on him, everything. Like, I mean, I felt like jo- Jordan Miller's awesome. Like, again, I feel like you know what you're going to get from Jordan Miller basically every night. Right. Uh, Norchad, I, again, I think he has his moments, but again, I think what he does, like, you know, uh, with the he's boards, probably their uh, most important. Yeah. He's, right? I think he is probably the most important, but I mean, I think Jordan Miller, like I, I think Jordan Miller's in that conversation. And then when he's on, I mean, Isaiah Wong is incredible. Uh, you know, when he finally, when that, that, that switch kind of flips, but I wish he had a little bit more, like, I don't know, dog in him. Cause I feel like he's just such a quiet guy. Like you just see him with the same face all game. No matter if he's performing well or performing poorly, like it's the same face, the same emotion, all that stuff. So I wish he had a, maybe a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder in some sorts of ways. Um, but when he goes, I mean, I think he is, you know, incredible. And Nigel Pack too, when he's yeah. hot. Oh, when he's and, hot and, from three, it's it's awesome. And that's going to be the the question that this Miami team is going to have to answer in their next game. They're playing number one seed uh, in their bracket, Houston. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I can't pretend like I've watched a ton of Houston, but the the little bit I have watched of them, they kind of seem like a mirror image of this Miami team in terms of style of play. They're very athletic, you know, somewhat undersized, um, play fast. I would say Houston, of course, and this is a reflection of them being a number one seed. Houston's floor is higher and their ceilings probably higher, but I do think if, you know, if Miami comes out and plays their best, if they're starting five, play all play as well as they can play, they're definitely good enough to beat this Houston team. Um, But Houston did have some moments in which they looked scary good in the tournament here, particularly in the second game. They were they were down to Auburn 41 to 31 at halftime. And they ended up winning the game 81 to 64. So, um, and, and they've opened up as a seven point favorite over Miami. And that's the biggest spread uh, for the sweet 16 outside of the Princeton and Creighton game. Um, and wow. also is, too, is, is the FAU Tennessee spread less like yep. less than that. Wow. That's yep. interesting. Yep. So, and, and also too, like uh, I believe Miami's in the Midwest bracket and you know, in terms of this sweet 16 round, it's the closest bracket by far of, of the four that went close to, to chalk. So it's, you have the one, two, three, and five seeds remaining. Of course, Miami beat the fourth seed, Indiana. So uh, let's say hypothetically Miami has their best game of the season and moves on against, you know, by beating Houston. 
the path doesn't get any easier necessarily. You're going to play either Texas or Xavier, who are both strong two and three seeds remaining in the tournament. So it's going to be a fun ride. It's fun. You know, again, this is why um, sports is awesome. It brings together community. And I look forward to the day when the football program is consistently at this yeah. type of level too, because it'll be the, the same same type of feelings uh, in terms of uniting people together and, and enjoying uh, a program we all like to, to watch. And also too, uh, shout out to the women's team. They came back from a 17 point deficit in their opening game of the tournament against Oklahoma state. And they actually take on Indiana tonight. So they're, they all, they're playing Indiana in round two as well. Indiana is the number one seed uh, in the women's bracket. So good luck to them. I went, I checked out a women's game this year. It was a lot of fun. And I would recommend anyone doing that next year. Um, go support the women hurricanes. So um, we'll move on from this basketball talk and dive into football. But first, let's let's get a quick word in from our sponsors. Attention business owners, I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now. Employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W-2 employees and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices ASAP. The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid. All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today. ERCLawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. All right, we are back. Gabby, I just want to, you know, with, with Miami getting through three spring practices um, before they, they took off for spring break, I kind of just want to have a big picture takeaway discussion on what we thought 
what we observed from the first week of spring. And, you know, let's put this caveat uh, on the front end. Miami has not practiced in full pads yet because yeah. of the NCAA acclimation period. So there is still a lot to learn about this team, um, you know, particularly at those physical positions in which wearing pads really does matter. Um, but anyways, I think we can have some opinions or takeaways in terms of roster construction or, or uh, you know, how guys look year over year in terms of uh, physical conditioning, development, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I, for me, Gabby, I just think the easiest way to do this is let's just go position by position. We don't have to be long-winded about it. Yeah. Um, but just kind of quick takeaways. And again, this is just a snapshot, you know, we can change opinions as we learn more during the spring. And, uh, but just come of some of our quick takeaways from week one. So quarterback, um, you know, I do think this offense is, we already know this kind of, but this offense is going to be a better fit for Tyler. Um, I can see no effects of the shoulder injury, which I think is a good, good sign moving forward. Um, Jakari looks thickened up. Emery Williams definitely looks like he has a chance. I think, you know, I think it's fair to say maybe Emery can be a Tyler Van Dyke. There's still a lot of development for him to do. Um, but I am encouraged by the way he looks physically, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, those are just kind of my quick takeaways on the quarterback group. Yeah, similar. I mean, I'm excited about what Tyler Van Dyke's going to be able to do in this offense. Again, he looks like he's throwing the ball around well. Jakari looks like a phys- you know he's he, he's a specimen man he he's a he's gonna be a weapon uh love the way he's built again uh you know hopefully it's the Tyler Van Dyke show in 2023 you, you don't have to you don't have to lean on him as much just considering how they're tailoring this offense for Tyler Van Dyke uh Emery Williams big big strong kid again I, I mean when I watched him I, I mean I thought he was I thought he was ripping it pretty nicely you know again en- encouraging for a true freshman who is not gonna have yeah. to really see the field um, so, you know, the, by those three scholarship quarterbacks, uh, you know, no real gripes for me so far. Do they, you know, would um, you like to take another one? Like, yes, if I, it makes I, sense. I, I would. And that's because I think we, and I know people disagree and all have their opinions, but, you know, I do think that they should find someone who can back up, you know, Tyler Van Dyke in a situation. So Jakari can kind of pre- preserve that red shirt, or maybe just even have another arm. I think having I think four quarterbacks. Four. I think exactly. I just think from a roster structure standpoint, having four quarterbacks, four scholarship quarterbacks makes the most sense. And, you know, maybe that's a problem that gets solved in the 2024 cycle. If they take a couple arms uh, or whatever the case may be, but if there's a spring, if if after the spring, there's a guy who's not happy about a situation and an interesting, you know, name kind of just kind of comes up, I would not be opposed to Miami bringing in, bringing in another guy and telling him, hey, look, you can t- back up Tyler Van Dyke. He has had injury issues in the past. And you know what? You can compete for a starting job in 2024. Uh, you know, yes. I, I, I personally would not be opposed to to that whole situation. And I would say, too, I don't like I think there is a little bit of a concern like, oh, how would Jakari feel about that? I think he wants to redshirt. I think right. he understands having that extra year is going to be best for him in the long run. Um, and so I think he would embrace that. And I'm with you. I think you can go two ways. And, and 
all of this depends on what is available in the portal, right? I would only do this if it makes sense. You can't just take a quarterback to take a quarterback. But I think you can either just get a veteran, like maybe a senior guy that's played a little bit, kind of understands like, hey, I'm I'm just going to be the backup. I'm just going to be here for one year. Maybe he wants to be a coach and he can see this as an opportunity to latch on to Miami's staff in some way long-term. Or like you're hinting at, Gabby, you, you get a guy that's kind of on the younger side, um, you know, understands, hey, I'm going to be Tyler's backup this year. But in 2024 and beyond, I'll have a chance to compete for a starting job with these guys. So I think it makes sense. Um, again, I think you I think you do need to have four scholarship quarterbacks on your roster at all times. Um, and so, you know, again, has to make sense. I don't think it's like the biggest portal need, but I do think it's something if if an opportunity pops up in May, I think it's something Miami should explore. Agreed. Yeah. Run, running back. Um, you know, it, again, they're not in pads, but the obvious thing that stands out is this spring, they're just very thin. They only got two guys, two scholarship running backs available now and Don Chaney Jr. and uh, Henry Parrish. Uh, let, me, let me go back to quarterback. I want to do this with each position group too. So I want, I want us to just, as things stand now, do we feel like year over year, the position group is better, even, or worse? And let's just, let's be harsh. Let's be honest. Yeah. Let's keep it real. Quarterback, I will say even. I was gonna, that's where I was leaning to, just again, because. And this isn't a reflection of the production from last year, because to me, I liked the quarterback room last year. Um, the production didn't match that. Um, but I do think this year's quarterback room, the top three are all potentially capable starters at some point during their careers. Um, and I do think the production will be better because of the offense is going to fit this personnel in a better way. So when I say even, that's not a bad thing necessarily year over year. Um, you know, I just don't think they were maximized last year, the quarterback room. So um, I would say year over year, the quarterback room's even. You agree? Yeah, I'm, I, I would say so. And I would say I felt, again, just kind of going back to this time last year, I definitely felt better about Tyler Van Dyke la last year compared to this year. But I think, yeah, I mean, Jakari's still a good player. Though. Yeah, still a good player. And Jakari's, you know, I think maybe a better like maybe pure again if he is the backup i think jakari maybe i'd probably give the like a leg up on jake garcia because he played in more games now i mean I, and i think his tool his skill set is maybe a little bit more unique and again the experience and all that stuff that he's been able to kind of generate and stuff I, I i still feel pretty good about that and then again going back to last year i mean jakari was a third quarterback emory williams was a third quarterback i don't know maybe Maybe in general, I feel I probably felt better about the quarterback room in 2022 at this time. Yeah, but, but I, not but by I, much. Yeah, but I, I but I'm more optimistic because of the offense that they're going to run and how I believe right. they're going to tailor it to Tyler. Where you know I do I can see I can see him kind of returning to form in 2023. So I would go even maybe a little bit below, um, yeah. but roughly around the same. I would say. Yeah, I agree with that. Running back. Again, very thin. Um, 
you know, to me, the biggest thing with, with running back this spring is the opportunity Don Chaney has to kind of show he's back on track in terms of his health. Um, he's had some really bad luck, uh, whether it's knee or hip or et cetera. Um, and he, to me, he's an important piece to this offense this year. They need him to get healthy. They need him to regain his form that he flashed as a true freshman when, you know, I think he was only one of like two or three uh, true freshmen that year that totaled, and this is random, random stats, but totaled at least like 320 rushing and like 140 receiving as a running back, true freshman running back. So all that is to say there is ability there. He was, you know, um, he was impressive in track. I think he was a 10, 700 meter guy. His high jump best in track was six foot 11. So there is explosiveness in that body. Um, you know, I, I personally, I would like to see him lean down a little bit more. Like he's thickened up a little too much for my liking here at the college level. Um, but if that's going to help his durability, I guess I'm here for that. So, um, to me, uh, and to, if we're talking better, even, or worse, to me, running back is even. And, you know, I'll state it like this. I think ability-wise, I don't think this group is as good as last year on paper uh, because they don't have the bodies. I think losing Jalen Knighton strictly in terms of ability is a loss. Um, but in terms of, like, culture, and additions, you know, by subtraction type of stuff, you know, quote unquote, Mario Cristobal type of guys. I think this running back room is more of what they want when you're including Trevante Citizen, when you're including Mark Fletcher um, and Christopher Johnson. Um, I don't feel comfortable with the numbers right now. I would like for them to go out and add a transfer, but year over year, I'll say the running back group to me is even. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, just from the first three practices, again, no spring. I mean, no, uh, no pads or anything like that. But I mean, I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't pretty, if I wasn't concerned. Again, I mean, we can be glass. I mean, again, I, hopefully everything comes together for Don Chaney. And again, I think right. that would be best case scenario. But I think that's still kind of like a huge question mark with, sure. with Don Chaney. Is like, is he going to stay healthy? Like, wh what? Who is he now? You know, after like we said, he's yeah. he, he's definitely thickened up. He's had some operations on his legs. Like who is Don Chaney in 2023? Like, you know, so th those are, those are like major questions that I kind of just have about the room. And then Henry Parrish, you know, he's, he's solid, but again, I don't know if he's like, I don't he's know if he's like, two. right. I don't think he's, a, he's, he's not an all ACC back or a guy that's gonna, you know, I think, you know, run for a thousand plus yard, at least not in my opinion. Agreed. And so, you know, Trevante citizens hurt and, you know, had a setback. So, where is he in terms of just health and his availability, uh, you know, in 2023 or even, you know, maybe just kind of going beyond. And again, I love Mark Fletcher. I think Mark Fletcher is going to be awesome. I think he's, yep. he's someone that I'm super, super excited about. Chris Johnson, uh, you know, I think, and I don't think he's someone that we should expect to see a ton from right away. So I would probably, you know, I'm not feeling as good about running back as I did a year ago, losing Jalen Knighton probably has something to do with that, but just in general, I mean, I, I didn't even realize running back was a problem. I think this time last year. And now I feel like, like now, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just overanalyzing or overthinking it, but no. I feel like running back to me is, is, is pretty concerning. And 
I'm honestly kind of surprised they didn't go get a guy in the in the December window, knowing what the numbers look like now, uh, or like the December, January window. And I do hope that in that May window, they kind of, you know, go after a guy that I think could have helped them. Cause I do think there were bodies that emerged in the portal, uh, you know, from yeah. December to January that definitely could have helped them. Uh, so I'm curious, I mean, they had to go get what Lucia Stanley at the buzzard last year. I don't think you need to put yourself in that situation where you're getting a kid from Tuskegee. You know, I think there's, you know, potential power five backs, who could become available that I think you need to go right. get your hands on. And I think the point there is like, my, like, I don't even, there's not going to, there's probably not going to be like a stud all ACC caliber running back No, that they could go get, but can they, to me, like when we're talking about the May transfer portal window, I don't think we're necessarily going to be talking about going out and getting elite upside talent. I don't know how how many of those guys are going to be available? Uh, but can you mitigate disaster and the, you know, the bottom falling out from under you, which is what we saw last year when the injuries piled up, right? Like the yeah. injuries piled up at various positions on offense, and it was a disaster in the second half of the season because of that. Mitigate that from happening by adding capable bodies that can come in and do a job if that happens is kind of, I think, the point we're trying to make. And, you know, to your point with being surprised about not getting one in the December window, I agree. On the flip side, I that tells me that they do believe in Mark Fletcher. Is that risky? Yeah. Maybe. I, I believe in Mark Fletcher as well. Um, I don't know if personally I would put all my eggs in that true freshman basket right now. I would feel way more comfortable if Mark Fletcher was an early enrollee Definitely. running back right now, you know, but American heritage doesn't allow that. Right. So um, that's where we're at, but yeah, I would like to see them add another body in the May window. We'll see. Um, wide receiver uh, to me, you know, Colby young is kind of the story early on, you know, he's definitely changed his body composition, leaning out, um, while maintaining his strength, he does look different compared to when he arrived in the summer, which is a good sign. And, uh, you know, I still think we're lying to ourselves if we don't think Xavier Restrepo is their best receiver. I still think he's going to be their best receiver this year as things stand right now, um, in terms of receptions. Um, and so, you know, I think that's where the wide receiver group starts with those two. And then from that point on, it's just, it's going to boil down to, do they go at, go out and get a transfer and who steps up behind them in terms of the depth. But um, I'll say this, I feel better about Colby Young. Uh, I don't know. Cause I thought I was never like a big Keyshawn Smith guy, but like, and it's hard to do this hindsight game. Right. But, do do you feel better you think about Colby Young this year than you did about Keyshawn Smith and or Frank Ladson last year? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, it's it's hard because like now I have so many new opinions about both those right. guys. Uh, to like remember how I felt I think, about them last year. I was optimistic about Frank Ladson. I didn't I think he too. was going to be. Like, I didn't think he was going. Like I I do feel like like looking at Colby Young. 
And looking at Frank Ladson, like I, I, I feel like Colby Young could potentially, and but that's because we also he's know what by he's far capable. Him of. Up. Like yeah, he is. right for sure. And again, I think we saw the kind of like the flashes of Colby Young again, just like in that you know really it, it was kind of amazing what he was able to do in just a few short months. But we saw a couple of those performances, a couple, a couple of those like catches that he made where you're just like, yeah. So I feel like maybe I, I feel like we I've seen more from Colby Young you know, from fall to spring than I ever saw from Keyshawn Smith. Yeah, fall to spring. he never so, had those type of games. No, he didn't. And I feel like Colby Young at, at that size and again, just kind of even in this right before practice, David, just kind of being there for recruiting reasons, kind of seeing him and being like, oh, Colby Young looks like he's, you know, he looks like he's kind of changed his body up a little bit. So, I mean, I think I would it would be fair for me to say that I probably feel better about Colby Young than I ever did about Keyshawn Smith. In this offense, can Colby Young, I think he can be, I'll say this. Yeah. Do you think he can be like a 700 plus yard guy in this offense? I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe. He's going to get uh, targets. I mean, he's definitely going to get, look, I mean, he's going to be one of their guys, right? Like who else? I mean, I don't, I just don't know who else they're going to, I mean, they're obviously going to throw the ball to Restrepo, but in terms of like outside dudes, I feel like it's going to be Colby Young. Like, I feel like that's the guy they're going to go to in a lot of those situations. So I feel like he's going to get the opportunity if he stays healthy and, I guess we'll see, but I mean, in one of these wide open offenses where they're going to pat, where they're going to be slinging it around, I think you hope that Colby Young can be can be that. And again, I don't think that that's like a super insane ask be. either. Yeah, I think right. that that's I think that's a very realistic mark for a guy like him. And again, I think what he what he did at that at the ju- at the JUCO level, I think he was like a 900 yard catch guy. So you know, after reshaping his body, being a little bit older, kind of going through the whole process. Uh, you know, of just like again, the strength and conditioning and all that stuff. Can he be a 700, 750 cat, uh, you know, receiving yard guy? I think it's fair to, you know, have those sort of expectations for him. Did any of the backup or depth type guys catch your eye? Because, you know, from what we see, none of them really caught my eye. I mean, Isaiah Horton looks different, yeah, uh, physically, but like in terms of like movement or anything like that, I don't know if anyone caught my like Nathaniel Joseph does look really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know any of the backups really intriguing you right now to me it's just really Horton again just because of his size and all that stuff and, and and just the reviews that I feel like I've been I've kind of gotten back on him have been positive in terms of like his offseason you know performances and workouts and everything that he's kind of done there so that's why I'm kind of just like maybe a little bit more op- like optimistic about him, but otherwise nothing really. And again, like we haven't seen Barely, yeah, a ton, too. you know, so I think uh, hopefully over the rest of the spring, we can, you know, shape those opinions. Better even or worse wide receivers. Oh, that's year. good. Um, I feel like, I, I feel like last year I was kind of down on the, I feel like in the spring last year, I, I, that's when I started. I feel like the way I'm pounding the table yeah. about running back now, I feel like I was kind of pounding the table about receiver last year. Um so I would say about even. I think they still need to go get a guy, but I do feel better about Colby Young. So even better to like maybe yeah, lean towards a little bit in better. The middle there. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I can't say definitely better, but you know, even I, I feel like even like even is also maybe a little bit unfair too. So somewhere in the middle of those two. Tight end, um, yeah, McCormick clearly going with the first team. Uh, I'll say you know Jaleel Skinner still on the skinnier side. Mm-hmm. But he's he's put on some weight. Um, just needs to stick with that process, I think. Um, and I'll say Jackson Carver, the early enrollee freshman, yeah. catches my attention at times with his size. And you know, he's not a freak athlete or you know, elite 
you know, movement skills, but at his size, he, he's a good enough athlete. Uh, there's something there to develop. Um, what, what, what catches your eye at tight end? Yeah. Right. Look, I mean, you can, you kind of talk to people on the program. They seem very, very optimistic about the tight end room. Uh, I mean, they think Cam McCormick, uh, you know, back in the Oregon days, you know, maybe even was someone they felt like was eventually going to be an NFL draft guy before he started suffering all those injuries. So they think he can play. I mean, is he realistically an NFL tight end now at this stage? Probably not. But they felt like he had the talent, you know, early in his career to potentially be that. So they're excited about him. Again, a big body who can block uh, Jackson Carver. I mean, the freshman, that's where his bread and butter is going to be. I mean, that, that's where the, the lacrosse and the hockey background stuff comes in when it's, you know, time to be an inline blocker. He's kind of an awkward, you know, pass catcher, but I don't think they're ever going to really ask him to do a whole ton of that over his, over the course of his career. Elijah Royo kind of coming along. I think when he's healthy, he's good. Jaleel Skinner, again, I mean, I think a physical specimen that, you know, again, just needs to continue to grind through the process. Um, yeah. And then Riley, Riley Williams, the, the true freshman, they seem extremely excited about Riley Williams. I think they're going to get him back out there uh, now after spring break. Uh, I think he was nursing like a hamstring or maybe it was, it was something along those lines that uh, that he was that he kind of came in with um, that. I think they're just kind of taking him easy. So I'm sure he'll probably be in that, you know, acclimation period when we get uh, back out there on Tuesday. But I think if there was no setbacks here over the last week or so, I think they're slowly going to start getting Riley Williams back out there. And they seem really excited about him, too. So, um, well, I feel like year to year, I probably feel. I don't know. I would probably say roughly, maybe a little bit better, just overall depth. I feel better. Like I think, uh, you know, some of the young guys, I think Riley Williams is someone that could potentially get on the field and play, uh, you know, if they need, if they need to climb that far down the depth chart, I don't know if they will. Um, I mean, I, I, I would say I probably feel slightly better about the tight end group overall, even though Will Mallory is probably the best overall yeah. player of anyone in the group right now. Yeah. I would say even just for that reason, I, I don't know if they have a single guy, that is as good as Will Mallory right now. Um, but the group is deeper and probably more well-rounded. You know, the balance is better in terms of having blockers and, and pass catchers. Um, and Elijah Royo, he can level up and, and maybe get to that Will Mallory level. I think in time, Jaleel Skinner will too. I don't know if it's going to be this year, um, but he has a lot of potential as well. So, um, you know, it is a big group, I will say. They're all kind of yeah, six four, six five, six six guys. And uh so yeah. Uh offensive line. I mean, huge upgrades. Oh yeah. With all the uh the new new newcomers there. So you got Matt Lee at center, he's very impressive, you know, talking to him after practice that one day. It's obvious why he's going to be an important leader for this group here in 2023, just a total alpha and um, Jalen rivers and Inez Cooper have changed their bodies year over year. They look really good at their respective spots. And then Javen Cohen, the other uh, transfer addition from Alabama looks the part of course as well. And then Francis Maui go up elevated to the first team, right tackle and practice number three, Samson Oakland Lola working with the, Second team at left tackle. They, of course, looked the part as early enrollee freshmen, which is very rare on the offensive line. So um, year over year, they, they look much, much, much better for going right. better, better, even worse. This is much better. 
yeah, significantly, significantly better. Uh, you, you, you said it, um, you know, all those guys, uh, I mean, I think that they've, they're kind of over, like just the overhaul on the offensive line was, was fantastic. I think they absolutely crushed it, uh, between the freshmen, the way they recruited and then the way that they kind of work in the transfer board on some key positions. So, yeah, I think that's a massive, massive win, uh, for them, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And if Miami does take. Like, I think Miami's going to take a, a nice leap on offense, and, and that still gets Miami to average, right? Like, last year, Miami averaged, what, like 23 points per game? Uh, gross. If they if they improve a touchdown per game, that's 30 points per game, which I think is on the table with this personnel right now. Uh, that still ranks you, like, 50th in the country. It's relatively average. But I do think that's on the table, and that's going to be in large part to these changes they've made on the offensive line. Now, if they go out and if they're able to find another outside receiver that can uh, make plays, I think we're talking about a, a significant leap offensively um, on the table. But uh, in terms of what they have this spring, the offensive line represents uh, the biggest change and the biggest reason why you should be optimistic as to the offense improving year over year. Speaking of offense, trying to improve year over year, offensive coordinator, Shannon Dawson, what were your takeaways there? Just, you know, the biggest thing I, and this doesn't speak poorly on Gaddis. I'm not doing that. I, again, I say this a million times. I think any scheme can work. To me, it's about fitting your scheme to your personnel. I think Shannon Dawson and his system is a better fit for this personnel where Miami is at currently. Um, and so that's my main takeaway there. I, I think what he does and his personality is just, just a better fit. You have any takeaways on Dawson? Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I'm excited about just his group though. I feel like the way that they're even going about practice again, I think he's working on some of the things that are going to translate to his scheme. Like we're talking, like we're seeing a lot of like, you know, the quick release stuff. Again, I think it shows that like, you know, his offense, it's about, you know, you know, you kind of find the read, find what defense is giving you, get rid of the ball quickly, you know, we're kind of moving the ball. They're pushing, they're pushing the pace a little bit and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I'm, ex- again, I'm, I'm excited again, not, not bashing Gaddis, but I do think that uh, given the personnel, um, Tyler Van Dyke, all that stuff, I think Shannon Dawson is, is maybe just a better fit for where the program is right now. So, Definitely excited about, you know, what he's going to do with these guys. I can't wait to see him in pads a little bit. You know, we'll see what we get to see. But uh, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty encouraged. And it seems like a lot of people around the program are as well. The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text Star directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to Star, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text STAR today at 561-573-4661.
This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. Defense. Uh, let's start on the defensive line. This is another group that is uh, hit hard by guys kind of being out for various injuries here this spring. Essentially, Gabby, the starting four is out. Um, if we're if we're talking about Akeem Mesador, Jafari Harvey, uh, Leonard Taylor, and I would I would put Jared Harrison Hunt in that starting four. They've all been kind of limited here in the uh, in the spring. New coach kind of leading that group and Jason Taylor moving up from the analyst role. So that's pretty cool. Um, but just some of the takeaways from what we've seen, you know, to me, Nigel Kelly looks like he's leaned oh, out yeah. some in a good way. Like I would imagine he's still gained weight, but he just looks leaner, um, you know, by, uh, you know, getting the body, body fat percentage down and the muscle up uh, after a year in the program. So he looks great. Um, I will say this, I I'm kind of reserving judgment on the transfer defensive linemen, Branson Dean and Thomas Gore till the pads come on. Um, but it is pretty obvious that they're, they're kind of just undersized guys. That doesn't mean they can't be effective in certain roles, but their lack of size definitely stands out on the flip side, you know, just seeing early enrollee freshmen, Jaden Wayne and Collins at Chiampong walk around. Their body types are long. It's exciting to think about how they can develop them in the next few years. Mod Moten, I think, has changed his body quite a bit. Um, he looks like he's in much better shape year over year. Um, and, you know, to me, I think they need to add defensive tackle body types, run stoppers. I don't know if they even have enough bodies, period, on the interior. Um, yeah. So. I think, let alone, like, I'm talking about just on the roster. But, yeah, right. of course, healthy this spring, they do not. Um, but just on the roster, I think they need to land some defensive tackles in the May window. Yeah, I mean, in, in spring, I mean, the defensive tackle room is, is insanely thin. Um, we're gonna, I feel like we're going we're gonna to see plenty of uh, Thomas, uh, with Thomas Gore and Branson Dean because I think they're two of, like, the few that are actually three. healthy, I think three are healthy. So yeah, it's, it's them two and Moten. And Moten. So we're gonna see pl <laughs> we're gonna see plenty of the three guys that I think we need to see um, a lot from. So uh, that'll be a great opportunity. And then again, yeah, the rest of the defensive line. I mean, like just again, you know, what you said. I mean, I think Nigel Kelly is gonna carve out a major role for himself. I think you know the, he's someone that I think has a chance to take a massive leap here in in his second season. Um, you know, I think he has incredible upside and really excited about him. Just kind of just look, just, you know, watching him and, and all those types of things. So really, really excited about, about him and, uh, you know, Chance Williams, I think is, you know, again, just a veteran guy out there that, you know, I think can give Miami some solid depth. Um, but yeah, I think right now defense the, on the defensive line, it's hard to make a lot of judgments because I do think that's one of the positions we kind of got to see them get after it. And it's so thin right now where it's just like, hard to really know what else is kind of there outside of the guys of that we 
kind of know what they can do at this point of their careers. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how it looks this coming week with, uh, with pads on with those guys. Better, even, or worse. I, I'd probably go even just as a D line group. Yeah. And, and that's not a bad thing, right? Cause they were pretty good last year, but I would, I would characterize it as I do think the pass rushing has improved for this group. Yeah. I think, you know, Branson Dean and Thomas Gore are undersized, but they do bring a pass rushing element to that interior uh, de- interior portion of the line. On the flip side, the run defense is taking a, I don't know. I don't know if significant might be overstating it, but they're, they're taking a step back, losing Daryl Jackson. Uh, that's what that guy does. He's good at it. And also Jordan Miller. That's what he did too. So um, right now, I think you would characterize like who is Ahmad Moten. We don't even know really what Ahmad Moten is right now because he's yeah. a young guy. But he would be characterized as the only real like run-stopping defensive tackle, yeah. right? I mean, I like Leonard Taylor has the ability to do it, um, and he's got to take that next step and do it. I think Jared Harrison Hunt has the ability to do it, but I think they're more so kind of those three technique type type defensive tackles. But anyways, what's your take? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, again, I think it's still to be determined. I think I feel better probably about just like the edge rush. I mean, I feel like you kind of get all your guys back, like all your main guys back. Yeah. I know I know. I mean, you feel, I feel really good. I'm mean, again, just kind of categorizing defensive line. I mean, the end, the ends, I feel great about the ends. You know, I think that there's a lot of talent in there, a lot of, uh, you know, returning yeah. production, uh, got a lot of guys that have played a lot of football. So feel really good about the ends and then the defensive tackle. It's like, again, I, I, I'm still not sure how I feel about it. Like I, I, it's just I, I do feel like they need that big body, you know, that run stuff. Or what is a mod moton? Who like what is what is he gonna give Miami? Like, is he ready to go? Um, you know, can Tom like what's Thomas Gore gonna be able to do in the ACC? I mean, he did a good job, you know, obviously at the group of five level and in in opportunities against like ACC level competition, but I still feel like we need to kind of figure out what he is and then Branson Dean too. Um, I, I just feel like there's just I feel like there may be just a lack of just like that big size on the interior. Uh, you right. look at again major college football programs around the country they definitely don't have that issue so um yeah i mean i don't feel super great about it i i really hope that they go get a guy and in the like, portal like jake lichtenstein has length but yeah. you know he probably weighs what 280 285 or so so right um you know they have guys that are gonna be good enough but if we're talking about you know the way it should look you know, they do need some more size up front on the interior. Um, linebacker. Um, you know, I, I think it was encouraging to see Francisco Maui Goa start to work with the first team in that third practice before the team went off to spring break. He was next to Wesley Besaint when he was doing that. Um, and if those are going to be your top two guys, that is encouraging. That represents improvement year over year. Um, Bobby Washington to me is an intriguing newcomer, not for 2023, but for the future, just because he is noticeably long, noticeably athletic. Um, again, he is a developmental guy all the way. Um, but if it all comes together for him, he's got some freaky potential with his physical traits. Um, I would say linebacker, just my takeaway initially here in spring, I think it's better, but the depth and body types still need to keep improving via year-over-year recruiting, talent acquisition, et cetera. 
I feel like they're on the right track. Uh, you know, getting these guys again. I think I mean Wesley Bassan and Francisco Malagoa definitely feel better. I definitely feel better if if that ends up being the one two um, at linebacker. I feel much better year over year about just like the top half. But yeah, I think that this is still room that needs to. You know, again, I think just with time and just continuing to recruit the position at a high level, you know, I think they're recruiting the right type of guys uh, in terms of just like those attributes that you look for. The, again, the size, all that the size, speed, um, you know, combinations and, and those types of things. So overall about the room, definitely feel better than I did a year ago. Um, and yeah, again, I, I'm encouraged about what Francisco Malagoa and Wesley Bassane are going to bring, uh, you know, with guys like Corey Flagg, DeAndre Smith, maybe hopefully maybe being more depth guys than guys in your, that you're relying on, you know, kind of every down or anything like that. So um, we'll see. Again, I think Francisco Malgo is maybe someone that we still need to kind of see in pads to like, see yeah. how he kind of runs around out there. And, he does and look see the what part. he's got. Definitely. Yeah. Him, oh like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a, he's a big, big dude. And again, that's the way, that's the way he needs to look. That's, that's the way it right. should look. He needs to see, um, you know, or at the power five level in general. So excited about all that. Cornerback. Um, I don't really know what to make of this group, which probably isn't a good sign. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's all right, but it's just nothing. It's nothing special to me. Um, you know, it seems like Takori Couch and Daryl Porter are the top two. Would you agree with that? Yeah. If, but I feel like they might throw uh, Takori in that in that nickel spot, that star right. spot. So, but if they were playing two corners, I think it would be those two. Would you probably. agree? Yeah, probably. But as things are nowadays, you play three corners. So Corey goes inside. Devontae Brown is your other outside corner yeah. opposite of Daryl Porter. Um, you know, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I think the group is worse year over year. Um, you know, losing Tyreek is going to be, I don't know, second or third round draft pick. And DJ Ivy. Uh, DJ Ivy, if he had returned, he would be the best corner on the team. So whatever you think of DJ, he's still better than what he's better than what they have now remaining. Right. So, um, you know, Terry Roberts to me, honestly, like I barely notice him. Um, he's definitely out there, but he's, he's on the smaller side. Um, you know, Devonte Brown is long, not the most fluid corner, I would say. Um, but he's long and he's played games and, you know, he can, he can kind of be a stopgap starter. Um, my main takeaway just from these first three practices is I do think true freshman Damari Brown. So that's Devante's brother, Damari Brown is going to have a real chance to play right away. I think he's going to be one of the better looking cornerbacks just in the room. The second he kind of walks in there. Yeah. Like he's not as tall as his brother, but he's already kind of like, you know, he's already thickened up, you know, he's, he's got, I think he's got a, a more college ready body than I think many people realize. Like, I think if you're standing Damari Brown next to Daryl Porter, you're probably pointing at Damari Brown as like, okay, that guy looks more like, you know, a power five cornerback than, than this guy. And that's not a knock on Daryl Porter. I'm just saying like that, that I just think that Damari Brown does have, you know, that I think he just has that frame already where you're just like, yeah, you know, this kid can, this this kid can definitely do it. And I think as a senior, uh, you know, he proved that, you know, he can definitely cover. Uh, so, I, I mean, I'm excited about him. I, you never want a true freshman like that kind of being one of the dudes that you're going to potentially have to rely on or, 
you know, those types of things. But I, I do think that there's going to be great opportunity for Damari Brown. Um, I would have said the same about Robert Stafford, but I, you know, watching him at the Under Armour All-American game, I still think that that transition to cornerback is still uh, a work in process, a, a work in progress. Cause again, he, he came up as a wide receiver. He made that transition. And I think his, his, uh, you know, his pro he, he can eventually be a really good cornerback. Um, I just think he's going to need more time. And again, not an early enrollee. So I think that's something that certainly doesn't help Robert Stafford. If it meant getting on the field right away, but yeah, Damari Brown is someone I think that Miami fans should prepare to potentially see on the field. Uh, sooner rather than later. Do you have any opinions on Chris Graves or Malik Curtis? Chris Graves is one that, like, again, like, I, I, I wish she would emerge. Like, if Chris Graves emerged, and I think I said this earlier in the, like, you know, at some point, like, I, if he can emerge, like, that would be, like, so, so, so great for Miami. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I think that just takes time. You know, I think he needs to, I, I it, it, it all needs to click. He has all the physical attributes to, be able to be that guy. But I mean, football's you, you gotta like the mental side of it too. Like everything, it all has to come together. Yeah. And I just don't think it's all fully come together yet for Chris Graves. And and if, and hopefully when it does, um, you know, I think he's going to be a great player, but uh, he need it, it just all needs to happen that way. So we'll see. And maybe that's still even unfair to even say about Damari right now. Like he, I, again, I think that he definitely yeah. has the mental makeup, but I think we, we still need to see, there's you a know, processing how he rece- element. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. I think we need to see how he, you know, receives that once he kind of gets into this element. Yeah. Do you feel better this year about running back or cornerback? <sighs> Let's say everyone's healthy. Let's just say Don Chaney's healthy, Trevante Citizen's healthy. You know, of course, you're bringing yeah. in Mark Fletcher, you got Henry yeah. Parrish, and then you have this cornerback room. Which I would say... I'll, I'll take the running back. If you tell me everyone's going to be healthy, I'll take the running back room because the talent is there. Yeah. And I think, and I think just like, I just think it's easy. So let's say Mark Fletcher is they are going to lean on Mark Fletcher. I feel much better about a true freshman running back than I would about like, you know, being able to come in and contribute than like, you know, some, maybe some of these cornerbacks. And I think Mark Fletcher is as that type of guy. And if you tell me Trevante citizens healthy, like I feel much, I would feel much like if, if, if someone could tell me, Definitely Trevante Citizen is going to eventually be healthy and he's definitely going to play and all that stuff. Then I, I, I would definitely, I would feel a little bit, you know, better, but if you guarantee me, Mark Fletcher is going to be healthy and, you know, ready to go and all that stuff, not saying he's injured or anything, but all that stuff. And then Don Chaney stays healthy. Henry Parrish stays healthy. Trevante Citizen, all those guys, I would take the running back room because I do think that there is talent. I think there's more talent in the running back room, but I think there's just question marks in terms of, I mean, these guys just yeah, got to get it done. Durability. The cornerbacks, if the cornerbacks aren't good, I mean, we saw how bad that can be. And I don't know, man. I just don't. I, I think, I think there's more top end talent in the running right. back room than there than there is in the cornerback room. What we're saying here is the talent level of the cornerback room needs to raise. Right. They can still be solid college players and they can be sound and not allow busts and all that. But uh, in terms of elite talent it's not really there at least to me safety uh james williams out uh cam kitchens healthy looks good seems like you know markeith williams and brian balaam kind of trading off going with cam right now and with that first team defense i like that they they're putting Jaden harris at safety I, yeah. I like that move i think he's more of a safety 
Uh, Caleb Spencer, the early enrollee freshman, big in the box type of safety, moves pretty well for how big he is. Um, you know, same to me as last year, uh, year over year. If we're talking the position group, I, I, I do wonder if they if they're gonna have a third safety, like who's it gonna be? Yeah. Um, and I think that's important to find out because uh, you got to have three safeties nowadays. Um, so that is a question mark, but uh, you know, I, I feel relatively good about this group. Yeah, I don't feel bad. I mean, again, I feel like Cam. I mean, Cam Kitchens is you know you know returning all ACC safety. I mean, I feel like you can't ask for much more than that. James Williams again, obviously injured now, but someone I really wish wasn't because I do I do wonder you know how how much Lance Kidry can just kind of squeeze out of him. He feels like a guy that's had to kind of maximize the most of what he's had in the past, and I'm curious as to what he could potentially do yeah. with a guy like James Williams, just with the natural raw talent and the length and all the different ways that he can use him. I can imagine Lance Gidry's cooking up some, some fun stuff for what uh, James Williams uh, could potentially do again, if he's willing to buy in. And, you know, again, I think after that, I think, I mean, obviously there's, there's some question marks. I mean, can Mark is Marquise ready to take that step in year two? Jaden Harris kind of transitioning to safety because he was kind of came up as a corner, but I, like I do, I also agree that maybe that's more his, his more natural position, giving his build and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Brian Balaam, someone that's coming back after kind of testing the transfer portal waters. Um, what's he going to be able to kind of bring? Um, so I don't really know how I feel about the room overall. I mean, again, I feel great. I feel good about Cam at time, you know, from, you know, again, what his, his good was really, really good. I'm not saying he's the perfect safety because, you know, I do think that we can, you know, point at him for a few things that happened, especially early on in the season. Um, but you know, again, I, I, I'm fine with the room. I would probably say, you know, about even right now. Depth needs to continue. Yes. All over the roster. Right. Right. Uh, Lance Gidry. So we talked about Shannon Dawson being a better fit for the personnel. I would categorize Lance Gidry the same way. Um, you know, I, I think he's a guy that will get a little more creative. Like you were saying, he had to manufacture a lot of things uh, at his previous stops with the talent he had to work with. I think he's going to bring a little bit more of that creativity to Miami compared to Kevin Steele, who, again, I'm not talking down on Kevin Steele. He's he's a really good coach. Um, but his style, a little more vanilla. Um, his, his style's more, you know, we're going to beat you with better personnel, so we're going to be sound. Um, which they weren't really sound very much last year. Uh, but that's that's the idea. We're going to be sound. We're going to beat you with better personnel, overwhelm the opponent during the course of a game. So Lance Gidry, I think, is going to be a little more proactive uh, than Kevin Steele was. So I think it's a better fit. Yeah, I, I like Lance Gidry um, for a lot of those reasons, like, He's not a guy that's just always had a ton of talent around him. He's not a guy that's just made a name for himself because he's had all these five stars and gets him to play and all that stuff. Again, nothing wrong with that. But he's a guy that, again, has kind of grind. He's kind of had to carve out his teeth in the industry and, again, make make make, make the most of what he's had and, and do more with less. And, again, I think now giving him a room with, with talent, you know, maybe more talent than he's had at other places, but still opportunity to obviously, gen- you know, get more talented – um, you know, I, I'm op- I'm pretty optimistic uh, that he that this defense is going to be improved as well. And uh, you know, I, I like that he's you know he's working with the secondary. He's that type of he's that type of guy. 
Again, I feel like defensively it's a similar structure because Kevin Steele worked with the with the secondary as well. But I think Gidry is just going to be, um, you know, maybe a little bit more just I don't know about it, if it hands on or involved or anything like that. But I think he's just going to be able. Yeah, exactly. Like I think he just he's going to get the guys to play a little bit more than um, you know the previous regime. And again, that's not a knock on anyone, but I, I think Lance Gidry is that type of guy. And uh, really, I mean, I think uh, the the guys like playing for him from you know what I understand. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we will dive into some recruiting talk. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we are back. Gabby, you put out a nice little article over the weekend that I enjoyed reading, uh, in which you put out some hot takes, five recruiting hot takes um, for this 2024 cycle. I don't know if you want to go into all of them or you want to highlight the most interesting ones. Um, I'll, I'll bring up one that I found. Yeah. Bring up, bring up whichever ones you want. We can just dive into those. Okay. Um, I mean, quarterback, right? Let's do it. You went out on a limb. I did. Air Nolan winds up a Miami hurricane. Yeah. Unless why you think that. Yeah, you know, again, I mean, I think, I mean, Miami's done a really, really good job. Uh, I think we're just recruiting him kind of, you know, coast to coast. You know, uh, they, Miami just put out the information for a pro day um, for, for this coming year. And I remember last pro day, uh, you know, it was kind of, there was, you know, two, you know, blue chip recruits from Langston Hughes. We were talking about Terrence Love who ended up signing with, with Auburn, Jelani Thurman, a tight end who signed with Ohio State. But, I mean, Aaron Nolan was in the backseat of that car, you know, like Aaron Nolan came down with them. I think that he's someone that Miami was exposed to um, at the right time. You know, they offered him earlier than most uh, have kind of prioritized him, you know, got to a, a home game in the fall. Uh, again, I think he's just been, you know, very well, you know, very comfortable with Miami. I think that they've just done a really good job recruiting him. Uh, he's a priority for this staff. I mean, when, when Shannon Dawson got hired, you know, he was really excited about it. You know, he believes Miami's going to have one of the best offenses in the country. He said Shannon Dawson was recruiting him really, really hard at Houston. So it's not like a brand new relationship had to kind of form there. You know, it was someone 
who is still, you know, working to kind of try to get him to, to their program. And again, uh, you know, I, and I, he's Aaron Nolan's going to come down back down this weekend. Uh, you know, there's a lot of schools that are involved now, Clemson, Ohio state, Oregon, Texas A&M, uh, Arkansas, but I mean, not many have been like what I wrote in the article. There, there aren't many that have recruited Aaron Nolan as hard or for as long as Miami has, uh, Miami signed his teammate, in uh, Joshua Horton, who's not an early enrollee, so still over at Langston Hughes, you know, kind of in his ear every day talking to him about Miami. Um, and I, I think that I think just ultimately, again, hot take, but I think this is one of those situations where it just kind of works out for Miami. You know, Miami gets like Miami gets their guy. I think, uh, you know, that's something that they needed to prioritize here in the 2024 class. David, we've talked about how they need to land an elite arm. We don't have to shy away from the fact uh, that uh, some of these quarterbacks you know, got drawn to their locations by, you know, lofty NIL stuff, you know, everything with the Nico Yamalieva stuff, uh, the whole Jaden Rashada saga, uh, you know, Miami's in the NIL game. And, uh, you know, I think that they're one of the most attractive NIL destinations in the country. And if you're a quarterback, and again, it's a promising situation at a school you're familiar with, and, you know, all their ducks are in a row in in that regard as well. I I do think that uh, Miami is a very, you know, potentially promising environment. And, you know, that's why, uh, you know, I do think, or I, you know, hot takey, just kind of letting it rip. Uh, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, Aaron Nolan lands in this class. Who are you keeping an eye on in terms of competition for Miami for air? Yeah. I mean, I, I looked, I think that Clemson offer is always a really big one. I mean, those guys don't offer a ton of dudes. And when they do, uh, it's very concentrated, right? Like, you know, if they offer you, they are going to recruit you really, really hard. And, uh, you know, I think that quarterback room, Garrett Riley, I think could be really attractive. It's, you know, pretty close to to home, I'd imagine. Uh, so I, I, I think Clemson is definitely a school to watch out for. Um, I mean, if you go, he doesn't have an Ohio State offer yet, but if Ohio, if he goes up to Ohio State and they offer him, uh, you know, they had to kind of, you know, pivot at the last second and they, flipped a kid from Washington, uh, I think Ohio State could be really in there. I know he really likes Texas a and I mean, kind of the schools that, I, that I'd mentioned, A&M, Oregon. Yeah. I mean, Arkansas, I think, is a is a very legitimate contender here, too. But um, I think those are definitely the schools Miami's battling it out here for. But, hey, I mean, if you're going to recruit the way Miami wants to recruit, those are those are the schools that you're going to have to – those are the schools you're going to have to recruit against. So, again, I think that you kind of – you know, you rely on those relationships and – and all those different things. And again, my Aaron Nolan's going to get back down here, you know, on, he, he'll be down here on Thursday, I believe. And I think that this could be a, a big spring visit for him. So another hot take you, you put in the article, defensive tackle recruiting improves. Yeah. Um, which it needs to, right. We've talked about how in the transition class, they, they signed one defensive tackle in Ahmad Bowden in this recent class, they signed one pure defensive tackle in uh joshua horton right yeah uh, so what makes you confident i'll say this like last cycle i think i was judging their recruiting efforts based on who they ended up with on the offensive line at cornerback and at wide receiver like those yeah. were kind of the three position groups i earmarked um you know of course offensive line tremendous class corner Lost Cormani at the end, but still a very good class. Wide receiver. They got two dynamic players um, in, in Ray Ray Joseph and uh, Robbie Washington. This cycle, defensive tackle is definitely that position. I, I think 
the number one position I would monitor. Number two is outside wide receiver. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what the other position would be that I'm kind of monitoring, but defensive tackle, uh, what has you most confident? Is it just, they seem to be in the mix with a, yeah. a ton of really high end prospects at defensive tackle. Yeah, a lot of high-end prospects. And look, uh, they're updating the top 247 here on Tuesday. It's getting a massive makeover. And I think a lot of the names that we're familiar with are are definitely rising uh, on the board. So, I mean, those top 247 defensive linemen that they're in the mix for, you know, a few of those guys are going to have five stars next to their name, uh, you know, tomorrow. So, you know, I, I, and I just think it's such a priority, David. Like you said, like this is your number one position. It's, it's probably not my number one position. And if it's both of our number one positions, it's certainly people in Coral Gables yeah. is either, you know, in the mix of the, or for the top position. And I think when you make the move to Jason Taylor, I think a part of it, you know, is to amplify the recruiting efforts as well. Jason Taylor is a phenomenal, phenomenal coach and all that stuff. But I, I do think that, you know, they needed a kind of boost on the defensive tackle. And I, I just think that they care about it so much. I think Mario Cristobal, you know, it's one of his missions this cycle is to take care of that interior defensive type uh, tackle. Uh, again, I just think it's going to be such a priority. And I think, as we know, David, when they start hyper-focusing on something that they feel like they really, really, really need, I just feel like they typically get it, right? They feel like they needed yep. – I remember hearing the summer, we need two of Francis Mauagoa, Olaus Allenin, um, Francis Mal, uh, Francis Malgo, Olaf, Allen, and Samson Akinola. They ended up with two of the they three. They could have had all three if they, they wanted. They probably could have. <laughs> they honestly probably could have had all three. I think they got very close to probably getting all three. Yeah. Um, you know, so I just think when they are like, this is what we need, they're going to get a guy or two. I'm not saying they're going to sign four, you know, in elite defensive tackles, but I bet they get one. And I bet they get at least a second, very, two. very good one. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I bet they're gonna get a couple guys there. There, you know, where they're they're gonna kind of get the get what they need. Like I just feel like it, it, it's good. I feel like if there's one thing that I was probably, you know, if I if I had to bet on something Miami's gonna do this cycle, it's gonna be one of these big interior defensive linemen is gonna come because again, I just think that's what Mario Cristobal kind of does. He's he, he's a big time recruiter. I think the product on the field is going to help, but I even think here over the summer when it starts to get ro- starts to get rolling, like I bet they're going to get one of these guys to jump on board. I don't know which one it's going to be yet, um, but I bet that it gets taken care of, and we're going to be sitting here and hopefully, you know, October, maybe you know, September, whatever it is, and we'll be like, all right, you know, as long as everything goes well in the field and we kind of do all these things, you know, we're gonna, you know, they're gonna they're gonna you know land this guy's signature, or whatever the case may be. So that's why I feel like. Uh, they're going to get one of these, uh, you know, the defensive tackle position in general is just going to improve. And then you, the last one I want to touch on, you said, uh, hot take, Miami signs a top five class. Yeah. Uh, which they were very close to doing. Yeah. I, they didn't lose Cormani at the end. It's probably, it is a top five class right. this year. Right. So um, tell us why you feel that way. Yeah, I think a lot of those I think a lot of those reasons are the same, you know, uh, a five and six season or whatever it was, uh, you know, again, they could have had they could have they could have had a top five class. They're one player away from having a top five class. And uh, again, I, I this is kind of the, the glass half full approach or really, I mean, I feel like it, it has to get better on the field. And I feel like with some of these moves that they've made, I, I believe it will get better. And I think if they were able to nearly, you know, complete a top five class here, in the 20 in that 2023 cycle i think you know they they are in position like i don't think it's far-fetched to to think that they can sign a top five class in 2024 and uh 
again, I, I think, you know, in the building, that's, that's a goal. Yeah. Uh, I remember there were times even towards the end of, you know, when Corm- before the Cormani McLean stuff happened, like it was kind of like, Oh, or, you know, if, if, if we get this guy, would that push us into the top three? Like, would we get a top three class? Like, I think they have their sights set. So like, those are yeah. the expectations, the expectations of to sign a top three class, not even a top five class. Like they want to sign the number one class. So I think, uh, you know, they're, I think they're going to get their guys. And again, I think they, the, the program is, is well equipped to, you know, be able to, you know, have a lot of guys want to jump on board. And I think there's a lot of opportunity, uh, you know, just with what Miami has to offer, you know, again, from a depth chart standpoint and even the off field stuff. I think one thing to look at too, and we'll see who like it's early. So it it's going to play out. However, it plays out in terms of who Miami actually lands. But I think in this early stage of any recruiting cycle, who has been on campus. And so you think back to, um, the elite prospect day in January, um, you know, when guys started rolling through here in March, they've had a lot of top 100 players already come through. Miami's not going to land a lot of those guys or all of those guys, but they're going to get, I don't know, three, four five of those guys. And if you get three, four five of those guys that puts you in position to land a top five class. So, um, I agree. I, you know, let's say this Miami. I feel like we, we've already talked about this, but Miami's clearly being patient with taking commitments. Yeah. I will pound the table that this is the right approach to do every recruiting cycle, especially yes. when you are dealing with South Florida recruits. Um, you know, I don't think it's time to get concerned until you know, with a commitment list until you start fall camp on, you know, whatever it is, August 1st. Um, so I think there's plenty of time to get your class. And and to me, August 1st, when, when fall camp starts, you should be able to look at the commitment list and say, okay, the program currently has 50% to 70% of its, you know, allotted slots filled. Yeah. And, you know, the rest of the fall, we gotta we gotta fill out the rest of the class, yeah. and so there's a lot of time between now and the start of fall camp, and the summer is when things really ramp up. So Definitely. I like this patient approach. Um, you know, it's gonna be easy to screenshot and meme about it. Uh, you know, in April, May, and June, you know, because Miami's probably not gonna be highly ranked in those months, but come July, and didn't correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Miami make big moves last July? Uh, oh, it was massive. There was like, I remember there was like a 10 day stretch where they got like 11 commits or something like that. Like it, it was something yeah. crazy. Like it was after that final, it was after the last official visit weekend. It was like Ray Ray Joseph committed and then Jaden Rashada committed. And then it was like Francis Malagoa, Jaden Wayne, um, a bunch of Riley. dudes, like literally R- Riley committed um, a bunch. It was like, I think it was like Jackson Carver uh reed mckeska like a bunch of these guys a bunch of these guys started just like filing in you know it was i think the only notable spring commitment was antonio trip and that was like a multi-day spring visit that was kind that kind of just happened you know it just kind of he fell in love with the place while he was down there when he was down here and and he committed i mean that's that's not going to happen all that often um but yeah you know i think they just kind of got into uh they got into a rhythm there after all because again 
they're chasing elite guys and these elite guys want to go take at least three or four official yeah, visits before they they're should. making decisions. They want to yeah. be sure. So these guys are going to take, you know, the June official visits late. I mean, June's going to be crazy between camp season and official visits. And at the end of June, when, when all the dust settles and be like, okay, I went and saw my four or five schools. We got to pick where we're picking one now. And that's when it all starts rolling, not only for Miami, for most schools, but especially right. with Miami, how they kind of were able to capitalize on it um, at the end of last uh, season. Malik Bryant, I think was, was a part of that group too, even though his commitment got pushed back and stuff a couple of times, um, all that fun stuff. But he was another, like, he's another summer kid. I mean, all these guys, it's, it's just how it's it goes. July. I would say July, if the early July yeah. don't start rolling in through July, yeah, then it's time to kind of be a little worried. You know? Definitely. I would say so. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at TorresLionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. Big, big visitors expected this week with Spring football coming back Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Um, you know, again, this is expected visitors. Um, so they're expected. I think one you told me, Gabby, is already kind of yeah. on campus, right? So tell us about that guy. Yeah, last name might sound familiar to, to yeah. some of our listeners. Uh, Chandler, Arizona safety, Kennedy Erlocker. And uh, yeah, that's uh, Brian Erlocker, the NFL Hall of Famer, who spent a ton of time with the Chicago Bears. It's his younger son. Uh, again, he plays at a really good program out in Arizona. He's on campus here on Monday. Uh, we'll stay and watch practice on Tuesday as well. Um, so he's one of the he's one of the bigger names that's expected here. Um, in, in in the early portion portion of the week, I mean, all these spring practices are going to be you know sprinkled on top with a with a nice little uh, recruiting visitors list. So Kennedy Erlocker, one of the the highlights of uh, you know the Tuesday session. And then also is a defensive lineman, TJ Lindsay, still expected in. Tell us yeah. about him. Yeah, TJ Lindsay, uh, six foot four, 275 pounder out of the state of Arkansas. He's been on a, I mean, he was going to go see a, a couple different schools, but I know Miami is 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 next up for him. Uh, he's, I mean, he he's a he's a big body, man. He's a big yeah, body that has. He's impressive looking. That, that has a, a, a ton of offers. I mean, Texas, USC, um, Tennessee, Kentucky. I mean, really, a lot of a lot of big SEC offers as well: Texas A&M, LSU, Oklahoma, Oregon, Michigan, all these types of dudes. So, uh, a lot of big time programs chasing after him. Uh, we just talked about defensive tackle recruiting and how that needs to improve. Uh, you know, TJ Lindsay's definitely one of the guys that that they're chasing. Big frame, athletic guy at his at his size. Uh, and then Thursday through Saturday, you know, I think what it's the weekend. I think, but they're doing the coaches clinic. Yep. Uh, in conjunction. So like um, having a ton of good coaches come in and speak uh, to all the high school coaches that want to participate in that. Um, and so I'd imagine the guys coming through Thursday through Saturday, their coaches will be bringing them, but tell us about some of the big names expected in Thursday through Saturday as well. Yeah, uh, we we got a. I think I, I wrote a story about it. I think sometime last week. So definitely go go check that out. But we'll talk about you know just three guys here, David, for the sake of time. 
Um, the first Kamarian Franklin. Uh, he's someone that visited in January. Six foot five, two hundred and sixty-five pound defensive lineman out of Lake Cormorant, Mississippi. Uh, in a second spring visit, I think these are the type yep. of signs. These are the the right. tells That's that you what look I was for. At. Uh, he came you know, what that, in January originally? Yeah, he came yeah. in January, and uh, you know he's back. He's going to be back here. Uh, you know this coming weekend. Uh, again, this is th- this is how these things happen. These are this is the process of you know their big time targets again. I mean, six foot five, two hundred and sixty five pounder. Uh, you know, he's in that five star range. Uh, you know, we're gonna. I think two four seven is gonna expand it to thirty two five stars as a. Uh, you know, here on Thursday, and currently Kamarian Franklin is someone who falls into that top thirty two. So, someone that you know, as I hinted earlier, may have five stars next to his name. Uh, you know, his by, film is fun. If people yeah. aren't familiar with him, go watch it. Kamarian Franklin, big body type athletic body type he plays defensive end now so you could i mean he he projects as a d tackle i think but yeah he he makes plays as a defensive end now and uh it's impressive he's like your typical sec big time big body defensive lineman yeah so i mean miami's done a really good job recruiting him and getting him back on campus i think is a is a really really big deal um another guy i'll highlight uh david you're talking about uh, you know, positions that maybe you're kind of highlighting defensive tackle, cornerback. I, I still think linebacker is, yeah. I, I still think linebacker is one of those, is one of those positions where they need to kind of they need to continue to, there. yeah, they need to land some of these big time guys. Um, you know, I was able to size up, get eyes on Edwin Spillman. He's at a Nashville Lipscomb Academy. He's a top two, four, seven kid for a six foot one, 216 pounds. Um, you know, again, I think he, you know, looks like kind of like that, mid, like that middle linebacker type. I think he could be, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, again, just kind of looking at him and, and, and watching the tape and stuff like that. I mean, he's, he, he's built the way that you want a linebacker to be built, uh, has a lot of major programs kind of coming after him. Uh, he was, he's another guy who was down at Miami in January, the same day that Kamarian Franklin was there and is expected back, you know, this coming weekend with Kamarian Franklin as well. So again, I think this is a, just a positive development that uh, Edwin Spillman is, is coming back because I think that he's one of the top linebackers on their board. And then who's the third you want to highlight? Yeah, big one. Uh, Jason Zandamala, uh, Zandamala out of Clearwater Academy International, uh, top 247 kid. Uh, he's He projects as a center. Uh, for those who are on the website know that I've written a few times that Jason Zandamala is our number one center target. Uh, he was, we, we, David, we both were able to watch him kind of compete at that Under Armour Orlando camp. I thought he was super impressive listed at six foot three, 285 pounds, uh, not really pushing back on either one of those measurements. Um, he's someone that Miami really, really loves. Uh, they obviously missed out on a potential center of the future in Connor Lou last cycle with the late flip to, to Auburn. Uh, I think Zandamala is the guy that they, that they really, really want. He's kind of a, He's kind of a pup in football, uh, you know, hasn't really, I think he's only played a couple years, sophomore, his sophomore year was his first real season playing, grew up playing rugby. Um, he's originally from Mozambique, I think, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, but again, he's someone that I think has is really, really toolsy. Uh, he's someone that I think could anchor an offensive line uh, for, you know, be a two, you know, three, potential three-year starter uh, and then off to the league. Uh, Cause I do think he's that talented. I know people in Miami really like him as well. So he's a, uh, he's probably the third name that I'll highlight that is expected here this weekend. All right. And let's do some quarterback talk too. Cause uh, yeah. you know, we talked about Aaron Nolan 
Um, but a target is set to make his second visit. You know, you talked about, uh, Cameron Franklin making his second visit and and Aaron Olin. Has he visited yet this spring or this year, 2023? No, 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 no. Okay. So this will be his first, he's coming back. You said, yeah. Uh, this year. And then Luke Moga. Yep. Going to visit as well. Right. Yeah. Luke Moga. He's, uh, He's out of uh, he's out of Phoenix, Arizona. Sunny Slope. He's a sub eleven hundred meter kid. Uh, he, I mean, he he's a big big time athlete. I think you know you watch the tape and he's definitely raw. He's only been playing quarterback uh, a few years, but I think the natural arm talent is there. I think his I think his his good throws are really really good. Uh, I think you I mean it's natural to be concerned about the completion percentage, which is floating around. I think it was like forty nine percent, which obviously isn't good. People but again, have, I people that have seen him have said like he's a work right. in progress, correct? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He he's definitely a work in progress. But um, again, I think he's a he's a big big time athlete, and I think that's something that's valuable at the position, especially just kind of with the way that they're kind of moving on offense. To, you know, he's gonna he's gonna get back down on campus again. He, he was he's in the middle of track season two. Uh, I remember the last time that he was down in January, he was training like he basically wanted to run like a 10, 700 meter, which is like fast, which is like really That's fast or a wide receiver or a running back. He's already like, That's a, what Don a low... Chaney was running. Right. Right. So I think Miami thinks he has like extreme, you know, athletic upside and they love the arm, t- like the natural arm talent. And they think that he, I mean, they really, really like him. Like they think he's, they think he's pretty special. A lot of other power five programs too, because uh, you know, he's got schools like Cal, he's got schools like TCU uh, Utah, uh, Northwestern, UCF, uh, Miami, Oregon, Purdue. Um, how big is he? He's big. He's, a he's, uh, I think when he, he's listed at six, two, one ninety. uh, when he came into Miami, I think he was a shade over six, one. So I think, and then he was around like that one eighty six range. So okay. again, I mean, he's, uh, he's got, he's got, a, he's got a nice build to him. He's definitely someone that, uh, He's definitely someone that has a, you know, that, that looks like a, a, a good quarterback. Would you, could you see a scenario where this is a different rabbit hole conversation we're going to go down, I guess, but do you think he could be the only quarterback in Miami's class or would the vision for him be to pair him with a quarterback? I think I think like if Luke, I think Luke Moga would be like, you know, ideal quarterback too. I think if it was just like, if they were getting the the best second arm, I think Luke Moga, like if Luke Moga is the only quarterback in this class, right. I think I would be pretty concerned, but let's say you pair uh, an Air Nolan and a Luke Moga, who's going to be patient, who knows that, Hey, I need to sit for two years, like minimum before I'm ready to make an impact. I mean, I think that he's like the ideal number two guy for me personally. Would you be comfortable with like, okay, Luke Moga's QB one in this class. He's our only quarterback in this class, but we're going to take a younger transfer portal guy in May. Yeah. I mean, it would depend on who the the transfer quarterback is. I would still, I still think you need, I I would still like to get two quarterbacks in this class. Like maybe if it's just like, again, I, I don't think that, and I mean, I guess it depends how everything works out too. Because let's say like you can't, like you don't get an Aaron Nolan or you don't get, right. you know, one of these big time guys. And Luke and Luke Moga is is who you end up with. I'd still maybe pair him with, you know, try to get someone else that you still like. That's like, you know, not just some random like 
Joe off the street. But like, if you have a kid that you offer that you feel like you can get, I would still like to get two. But if Luke Moga is the one guy, I think you absolutely have to supplement that with, uh, you know, a transfer portal arm, whether it be, you know, in this May window or, you know, in that December window ahead of signing day, like know that we are taking a transfer portal arm. And then we know that this is our quarterback. So, I mean, I don't think that would be ideal, but I mean, I guess in, in, in that situation, if it's a good arm that's looking for a new home. It might also in- depend on, I agree with you. I think they should take two quarterbacks, but yeah. like if Luke Moga is the top quarterback that they get in this class and they're willing to go that way, that might speak to how they do feel about Emery Williams as well. Correct. Like in terms of, Hey, we really like Emery. We think he could get the job done too. So maybe, you know, we can, you know, develop Luke because we believe in Emery Yeah, and Jakari too. Jakari is still a young guy as well. Right. Exactly. Anyways, uh, there's another guy, another quarterback that's emerging. Um, that's going to visit in April, Judd Anderson. Yep. Big Judd. Big Tell Judd. us about him. Big Judd. Uh, big, uh, they call six, him Big Six. Yeah. What, what, what do we got him listed at, at here? Uh, wrong, wrong. I think he's like 6'6", six, six, like two, like uh, 190 um, out of Georgia. Um, he's, he, I mean, he's, or I'm sorry, 6'6", six, six, 210. Uh, has a really good basketball background. So as a sophomore, average double-double at a smaller school, 19.1 points per game, 16.2 rebounds, David. So I think that's pretty impressive. Uh, he's playing at a bigger school now, uh, that, that Jones County in Gray, Georgia. Um, I think he was like not, I think he was like nine and seven as a junior. Um, but he came from a wing T offense. Um, you know, again, David, I, I think he's someone that could push the ball down the field. Um, uh, I think, uh, he's got a big arm. Yeah. He's got a big arm. And again, I think Shannon Dawson in this offense and really, I mean, he never, I don't think he he's ever worked with like, you know, some of like those quote unquote, like elite arms. Right. I mean, maybe Geno Smith, I don't know what Geno Smith was ranked coming out of high school. You probably have a better, he was like a big time, like nationally sought after kid. Okay. So that's probably the one, but for in most stops of his, in his career, he's kind of had to work, you know, or kind of find his guy. He has, I feel like he has an eye and he's looking for traits. He's looking for things like that. And I think Judd Anderson, again, you look at, I mean, the basketball stuff. I mean, this guy's doing like dunks, like down the lane, uh, you know, in games, like he's something like he can hoop. Um, And then again, he has that big arm at six, six, 200 plus pounds. I think that, that profile is something that's uh, pretty attractive to to Shannon Dawson and what he's looking for in, in this offense. So um, I think, ju- I, again, just a name to know. Uh, I just think that he's someone that Miami may like more than people realize. And again, we're always, I mean, it all starts and ends with the quarterback. So um, again, I, he's just one that I think Miami fans need to have on their radar as someone who, again, could potentially be an arm that lands in this class because it does seem like uh, Miami likes him and he likes Miami a lot. I talked to him on Saturday. I got to write up that conversation here today. Um, but I mean, he really loves Miami. He's having daily conversations with Shannon Dawson. I mean, Shannon Dawson was calling him like right before basketball games, telling him good luck. Like you can tell that the way that um, Shannon Dawson's recruiting Judd Anderson, that he likes him like that. So again, just take it or leave it. it. I think his film's good. Yeah. I don't know. I, I know people he's... were people were pushing back on the board of just like oh the this and that and it's just like I don't know exactly what it is people are expecting when they're evaluating you know junior quarterbacks. Um, but I again I think he has a big arm. Uh, you look at like NF like like quarterbacks that are in the NFL. 
a lot of them, I think maybe, I don't know if it's all of them or a large majority of them uh, were multi-sport guys. And again, I'm not saying Judd Anderson is the next NFL quarterback because he played basketball, but I think those traits are promising. And I, and I think what he, and I think ideally he's quarterback too as well. Right? Yeah. I think he could be like, another quarterback two option. You know, I, I think that he falls into that category. Which quarterback two would you prefer between Moga and Judd? I like Moga um, just because I, I don't know. I like the the athlete and just kind of like what the way Moga has been described to me, uh, you know, just by people around. Uh, it seems like they just really like Moga to me, uh, you know, again, and what he could potentially be. I'm not going to throw out a player comp because it sounds crazy, but the one that they have in mind. Give it. Should I? Yeah, whatever. Fire away. Let's go. I mean, I guess fire away. I don't I even mean, know what it is. All right. So I'm not I'm not saying that he's this, but this is like a when he was kind of emerging and he visited and all that stuff, like the name that was kind of dropped in association with Luke Mogas. They feel like he has like a lot of like Johnny Manziel in him, in just in terms okay. of just kind of like he just he, you know, playmaker. he he's he's a playmaker, he's willing, you know, he makes those like throws, like you know, he can kind of be off platform. He can run he's a big athlete he's elusive he can throw on the run all those types of things so in the in 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 that mind frame i think that's where the luke moga thing just kind of like all right i mean maybe if if you're telling me that you think he could be something similar to that i think i can get on board all right and then there's another guy who miami offered recently he's committed to south carolina right but dante reno from the state of connecticut um what, what do we need to know about there? Is, is he open for business uh, yeah. being a South Carolina commit? I think he's, you know, I think he's going about the process quietly because he is committed to South Carolina. And I do think that he loves South Carolina, um, you know, but I, I do, I, I believe Miami is, is working on him. Uh, you know, it seems like they're, th- that they might be kind of pushing for him. Uh, again, I think if this recruitment does go down, it's going to be one of those things where no one's really going to, Realize yeah. or know what's going on. Miami's Why? not going to want it to be public information or anything like that. But, um, you know, I do think that Miami and Dante Reno are communicating. Um, you know, they offered him. He didn't post the offer, but we know he offered him. Uh, but that Miami offered him and stuff like that. So it seems like Miami's is recruiting him pretty hard too. Um, one thing that's just kind of you know just interesting is you know he did he played his um, junior season with Jackson Carver. And I think the two are friendly, you know, I think, I think they're like legitimately friends, you know, they're not just like teammates. I think they actually ended up getting close during that, that year at the, that Loomis Chafe school or whatever it is. Um, so again, not saying that that matters or, you know, it's one of those things where it'll pull him away from South Carolina, but uh, you know, I do think that he, again, he again is a, is a name that I think Miami fans should know at the quarterback position. How confident are you that Miami will, will sign two quarterbacks from the high school level this cycle? Um, I'm like, they tried it last cycle. It yeah. didn't work out. It's hard to do is what I'm it getting is. at. It is. It, it is hard to do. Um, again, I think they're going to, I think they're going to try. I think they're going to shoot their shot. Um, they're going to try to get guys that again, maybe, you know, one of those toolsy guys that they yeah. can kind of, you know, you know, you know, push that long-term development by the time you're ready to go, this roster will be at a place where, you know, you'll be successful, right. all that type of stuff. Um, so I think that, you know, I, I I believe they would like to go that route. I think they should go that route again, just roster construction wise. Um, we'll see. I'm not super confident that they get it done, and if they do, that it's too like best case scenario, like an Aaron Nolan Luke Moga type of combo. But um, you know, I I do feel like the 
goal is going to be to sign two quarterbacks. So for that reason, I will uh, you know give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they go ahead and do so. All right, good stuff. This was a grinder of an episode. Yeah. Uh, I think I think they deserve I think they deserve one after not getting a pod for a week. So. That's fair. Uh, we're happy to do it, and uh, we will return to spring practice here on Tuesday. So uh, we will have a quick little instant reaction after that practice. Appreciate everyone for listening. Again, good luck to the Lady Canes playing tonight. Take down the number one Hoosiers. Let's let's go two for two against the Hoosiers tonight. Would be sick. And until next time, take care.